children's class. And so the children can come forward. We'll meet over here on this side. Might be a little tight. Y'all want to kind of tighten up there a little bit. Y'all can use the floor. Okay, that'll work too. You're already in class, aren't you? <laughs> that worked out real good for you. putting others down, 
disrespect. These could also be ugly, sinful works of the flesh. And so the Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 5, the works of the flesh will destroy the happiness people enjoy in Jesus. Instead of being happy in Jesus, they will feel ugly and bad inside. He also tells us the works of the flesh will keep people from following the Spirit and doing the things we wish. He also says the works of the flesh will keep people out of heaven. And so Galatians 5.24 says, those who are Christians have crucified or put to death the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, I have something to show you to help us understand how important it is to separate ourselves from the works of our sinful flesh so that we can be beautiful in the sight of God. This is where you come in. You can look in here. probably would like to touch it and feel it, wouldn't you? Because it feels really, really good. Maybe after church I'll let you do that. Now this beautiful tan fox hide could be used for many things. It could be used to trim out a fancy coat. It could, it could be used to make a hat. I have enjoyed it just like it is. I like to look at it just like it is. Early one winter morning, I collected this fox on Route 501 up close to Bowens. It was humanely hit by a car. Apparently not very far hard because when I picked it up off the road, it was in excellent condition. Now the lesson I want you to learn today is this. Before this fur could become something beautiful, before this fur could become something useful, it had to be removed from the flesh of the fox. And that is not a pretty process. I actually had plans to bring a freshly skinned fox here this morning and show you that. We have one of them laying around at our house right now. But decided not to, but the process of removing that hide from the flesh of that fox, it's not a pretty process. Now, after the hide is removed from the flesh, the hide is then turned inside out and put on a flushing board. 
And on that flushing board, the hot is scraped with a flushing tool to get rid of any remaining pieces of flesh. You see, children, this is what Christian people must do with the ugly works of their sinful flesh. With the power of God, they must put off the works of the flesh, turn, them side, turn themselves inside out before God, and allow God to clean them up with his fleshing tool. And so after this hide was scraped with the fleshing tool, it was taken off the fleshing board, it was put on a stretcher for drying, for shaping, and after a short time, it was sent off to a tannery where it was washed and softened and milled into this beautiful, useful thing. And so this beautiful tan fox hide teaches us how beautiful and useful people can be who are separated from the works of the flesh and molded and shaped by the Holy Spirit. The fruit of such people will be love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Okay? So that's your lesson for this morning. You can get back to your parents, and after church come up, y'all can take a turn touching it. Good morning to each one and greetings in Jesus' name. For a message today, I invite you to the book of Galatians. As I said, my plan for this year is to share a series of messages on the fruit of the Spirit. Now, my original plan was to charge right into this subject and begin today by looking at the first of the nine fruit, which is love. But as I began to study and think about this subject, I soon realized before we begin, it would be good for me and probably you as well to first understand the purpose of these nine fruit. What are they for? What are they about? Are they like a bullseye of a target, something for us to shoot for? Or are they something that replaces something else? What is the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit that we find in Galatians 5, 32 and 33? So today we will look at the context of Galatians 5, and in the future, Lord willing, we will begin looking at each individual fruit. Now, the churches in Galatia were made up of both Jewish and Gentile converts. They were new in the faith, very similar to the folks we are studying about in Corinthians. Paul's purpose in writing to these churches was to confirm them in the faith, especially concerning justification by faith in Christ, apart from the works of the law of Moses. Paul writes in Galatians 1, 6, and 7, I marvel that you are turning 
turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so Paul's ultimate goal for this writing is to prevent the believers from embracing false gospel and to encourage them to retain their spiritual freedom in Christ. The title for my message today is three words, three F's, freedom, flesh, and fruit. We find these three in Galatians 5, and I'd like to talk about the three. And so the question we are considering today, why the fruit of the Spirit? What is the purpose of these fruit? Let's begin by considering freedom. Galatians 5, if you're there, begins with, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Stand fast, or hold fast, your Christian profession. It will bring spiritual liberty, spiritual freedom. On the contrary, Judaism was bringing to them spiritual bondage. Among the Jews, the Messiah's reign was to be a reign of liberty, to proclaim liberty to the captains. We have in Isaiah 61 and also Luke chapter 4. And so liberty is twofold. Freedom from the Jewish rites and ceremonies, rightly referred to here as the yoke of bondage, but also liberty from the power and guilt of sin which nothing but the grace of Christ can take away. Now down in verse 13, we have the word liberty used again, along with a warning. So let's read verses 13 through 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Warning, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all, the love is, for all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. It seems to me the Apostle Paul is trying to get the Galatian believers back into the middle of the road, which is liberty in Christ, freedom to serve Christ. In chapter 1, false brethren had taken them into the ditch of legalism. Paul was trying to help them out of that ditch. He was trying to help them to get out of legalism, but at the same time was concerned about the other ditch using liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. You know, both the ditch of legalism and the ditch of using liberty as an opportunity for the flesh will rob us of our freedom in Christ. 
Instead of Christian love and fellowship, like Paul says, there will be biting and devouring. In other words, we will just fight among ourselves, is what Paul is saying. And so we too today must stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. That's just as true for us today as it was for these new believers many, many years ago. There's that center of the road, liberty in Jesus Christ. And as humans, we want to go one way or the other. Let's talk about the flesh again. Verses 16 through 21 of chapter 5. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revileries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The end of verse 21 should make us sit up and take note. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's been said, and I quote, the works of the flesh are combustible enough to fuel the flames of hell for eternity. That's a sobering thought. In our day, Satan is deceiving Christian people into believing that such sins are now okay. You know, everybody does it now. We talked about that in Sunday school. Be careful how literal you take scripture, I was told in the last year. The Bible says that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Romans 8, verse 8, that those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So what is the answer for dealing with our sinful, carnal flesh? Let's look at some of these verses here. Let's look at verse 16. I say then, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Get back that Spirit of God which you have grieved and lost. Paul is saying, take up that spiritual religion which you have abandoned. Let the Spirit of God dwell and ruin your heart. That is how the whole carnal mind will be destroyed. And then not only carnal ordinances will be abandoned, but also the works of the flesh. 
walk in the spirit. And then verse 17, for the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you cannot do the things that you wish. The flesh and the spirit are contrary one to another. I showed you children a beautiful tanned fox. And as I said, all the flesh had to be removed so the process of making that hide beautiful could begin. Many, many years ago, I attempted to tan the hide of my first deer, which wasn't very big because it still had some spots on it. <laughs> the result was a hard, crisp, cracker-like thing with deer hair on it. You could have used it for a big frisbee. The tanning process was hindered due to what I thought was small, insignificant remains of flesh. I didn't know any better. I didn't have YouTube back then. I couldn't look it up online. I just did what Ivan probably told me or Merle. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't me, but it, one of my friends probably told me how to do it. But there was something I did not understand. What I did not understand was that the flesh and the spirit are, are contrary one to another, if you know what I mean. The two do not mix. And, it, and, and as that verse says, it, it hinders us from doing what we really want to do in life. Verse 18, we have another key for dealing with our sinful flesh. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. To keep in the middle of the road of freedom in Christ, we must be led by the Spirit of God. Church rules, internet filters, accountability, any spiritual safety measure put in place are only helpful to us if we are led by the Spirit. Amen. Otherwise, these safety measures are basically worthless. They do us little good. Spirituality cannot be legislated. The works of the flesh cannot be kept in check with legalism. But, Paul says, if, it's all hanging on that word if, if you be led by the Spirit, Paul says, if you receive again the gospel and the grace of Christ, and permit yourself to be influenced by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. The flesh will not have control over you. Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so there we have it. So the keys for overcoming the works of the flesh in this passage are verse 16, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
Verse 18, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so now let's think about fruit. We talked about freedom. We talked about the flesh. And now we're talking about fruit. Let's read verses first, excuse me, 22 through 26. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so I asked the question at the beginning, what is the purpose of the fruit of the Spirit? What are they about? I have noticed that when the scripture gives us a list of sinful things we must not do, generally in that same scripture is a list of good things we can do or we must do. Colossians chapter 3, that beautiful passage that begins with, if ye then be risen with Christ, in that passage, for every sinful thing that we must put off, there are two good things that we must put on. In other words, for every red light, there's two green lights. Think of it that way. I believe this exchange of evil things for good things is for our spiritual safety. The void left by a departed evil must quickly be filled with something good. I want to show you something in Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, 24 through 28. These verses we seldom hear read in church. But I want you to notice what Jesus is saying and I trust that I'm interpret, uh, my interpretation of this is correct. Maybe it could be looked at several different ways. But Luke 11, I'll read 24 through 28. Luke 11, 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest. And finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And it happened as he spoke those things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. 
But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. What I take from these verses, when an evil work of the flesh has been removed from the heart, it's very important that something good immediately fills the void in the heart. Because if that void is not replaced with something good, the heart is open to a greater evil. The fruit of the Spirit is just the perfect fit to fill the empty void that is left by the now departed works of the flesh. Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Paul says in verse 25, if we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. In other words, out with the old, in with the new. We hear and keep the word, Jesus says. We live and walk in the spirit. The fruit of the spirit is now the new focus, the new walk. It's what now fills our clean, swept, and put in order heart. It's a beautiful part of our new creation in Christ. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and are now living in the spirit and walking in the spirit. When the fruit of the spirit replaces the works of the flesh, everyone wins. Your wife wins, your husband wins, your children wins, your brothers and sisters win, your neighbor, your coworker, your boss, even the dog wins. They say your dog knows if you're a Christian or not. You see, if our life is being controlled by the flesh, naturally, we will be a control-type person. Rules, policy, legalism. But if you live in the spirit and walk in the spirit, God is in control. And keeping people right under our thumb is no longer important to us. Sure, we understand some rules and policies may be necessary, but it is no longer the big issue. And so everyone wins and God is glorified. You know, if a group, if a family, if a business, if that organization, whatever it is, is not being led by the Spirit, they have no choice but to take the ditch of legalism. It's really the only option. Legalism, with legalism, you can maintain a certain look for a time. But if the Spirit of God is not there, it will not last. I want to conclude by reading a passage from John 15. I'd like to read John 15, 1 through 17. 
If we have any lingering doubts about the importance of bearing fruit, may these verses convince our hearts and minds today. But notice as I read the importance of fruit in the life of the believer, the importance, how it's important to us, how it is important to God, how it is important to others. I will read John 15, 1 through 17 without comment, and then we will close. But notice what it says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. We'll call for a closing song.